I mentioned how beginning our day with the Prevenient Act helps to transform all our ordinary actions into extraordinary divine actions. As Father Ian Nuzi says in the Divine Will Prayer Book, the first act must be the act of love and the divine will. Let us make this act diffuse into all the intelligences of creatures, in all the glances, in the words, in the movements, in the steps, in the heart's beats, in each breath. Let us untie all our acts to the last one done by Adam in the holy will of God. Let us also tie all our acts to the acts which the creatures who will live in the will of God will do and to the last one that will be completed upon the earth. The children's book I've mentioned has a beautiful prayer, invocations to the divine will to act in all our activities, which I copied on that horizontal handout. We are nothing, God, is everything. We love you, Father, O divine will. Continue thinking in our minds, continue flowing in our blood, seeing in our eyes, hearing in our ears, talking in our voices, breathing in our breathing, moving in our movements, suffering in our suffering. And since our souls are united to you, let us be your living crucifixes offered in sacrifice for the Father's glory. Continue praying in us, and then by offering this prayer to yourself as ours, it will be as if everyone had prayed and will give Father the glory that we should all give him. having made some kind of prevenient act to begin the day, we're then called to continue making that actual in the present moment throughout the day, in the current act, being attentive to maintain that divine attitude of doing everything for and in Jesus. In the divine will, we want to follow Jesus as he moves in our movement, speaks in our voice, prays in our praying. Now, let's be honest, this is hard to do. Indeed, impossible without God's help. Here's a passage where Jesus gives Louisa a method for making acts in the divine will. In order for the soul to be able to forget herself, everything she does or has to do must be done as if I wanted to do it in her. If she prays, she should say, it is Jesus who wants to pray, and I pray together with him. If she works, it is Jesus who wants to work. It is Jesus who wants to walk, who wants to get up, who wants to enjoy himself. And it should be like that in everything for the rest of her life, excluding errors. Only in this manner is the soul able to forget herself. For not only will she do everything because I want it, but because I want to do it, she will need me. Jesus wants you to become accustomed to the idea that you could no longer exist apart from him. We depend upon him for every single thing. This requires a forgetting about ourselves. And now going about our day saying, Jesus wants to. Are you willing to go about your day saying, Jesus wants to go to the store. Jesus wants to eat dinner. Jesus wants to read a book. Jesus wants to go to bed. If that seems a little foolish, remember it's very humbling to recognize our own nothingness and to completely depend upon him. The shift from a me-centered world to a God-centered awareness is to begin to create the kingdom here on earth. 
as we begin to give the Father the praise and love of his creation in us that he has already enjoyed in the saints. So imagine Jesus in your place, using your mind, your heart, your members to do what is to be done. How would he think? How would he feel? How would he act? Allow him to act through you. Strive to act with his same gentleness, kindness, love, mercy, confidence in the Father, etc. And please note, you can't be in the middle of eating an ice cream cone and say, well, Jesus wants to have an ice cream cone. Because at that point, Jesus doesn't have much choice in the matter. (laughs) It's a little too late. I'm not saying you can't enjoy any pleasures in life. Sometimes it's Jesus who wants to enjoy himself. But I am saying we need to be asking that question. To take that time before we do something. To stop and ask, what do you want to do, Jesus? And then listen by living in the present moment. Such that the thousand things you feel need to be done will no longer bother you because now Jesus is in charge. As we grow in this realization that living in the divine will means Jesus living and acting in our actions. And we go about our day watching Jesus move in our movements. We realize that everything that happens to us in the divine will is really happening to Jesus. You are there to act with him, to comfort him, to keep him company, to share in his pleasures and his sufferings. One recommendation is to get in the habit of offering short prayers along with our activities. Those simple reminders that we're striving to do everything for and in Jesus so that your attention is brought back to that intention you made at the start of the day, brought back to him who wants to do all these simple acts in you. A simple aspiration, just a few words, often is all that will be needed to invite the Trinity to continuously operate in you. For example, come divine will, come and eat in me. Come divine will, come and walk in me. Come divine will, come work in my working. Pray in my praying. Come rest, speak, drive in me. Or like St. Hannibal's little rosary on the divine will, we can just simply repeat, repeat that fiat petition over and over. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do not grow impatient with yourself. It takes time to form this habit. And Jesus understands this. What he wants is your constant effort to be faithful and attentive. Don't expect to be perfect when you first start trying to live in the divine will. You've been using your human will for a long time. It'll make it difficult to stop doing so with the snap of the fingers. God knows that we make mistakes. And so we go to confession and tell him that you're sorry again and again and again and again. God never 
tires of forgiving us. We only sometimes tire of asking for that forgiveness. And so we ask for this gift that we're entering into a process of experiencing the gift of his love and growing to trust him. And so in doing those acts in the divine will throughout the day, and then you're, you're halfway there. Well, not quite halfway because there's 36 volumes. <laughs> but two practices given in the writings of Louisa help us live in the divine will. The acts, which include our prevenient act and then the actual current acts throughout the day, and the rounds. To briefly, briefly explain rounds, first remember how the gift of the divine will transforms our acts into divine actions. This means that each act done in the divine will is an infinite act, one that is omnipresent and encompassing all of the entire world, but also eternal and encompassing all the past and future. Remember that image of the airplane flying over the cemetery, being, praying, being able to pray for all the souls at once. So rounds our prayers and the divine will whose purpose is to give God the glory due to him. Particularly the glory that would have been done had the gift of the divine will not been lost by Adam and Eve. So all the acts done by man for thousands of years have not given the Lord the glory he should have received. And how many acts are being done today and in the future that will fail to be acts of love for our creator? And so we want to say, I love you to Jesus. But now just, not just do it by ourselves. You're invited to place your I love you on every created being and thing, past, present, and future. These are the rounds of creation. We can place our I love you to Jesus on everything that Jesus said and did during his entire life here on earth and his resurrection and ascension. These are the rounds of redemption. We should also place our I love you on all the acts of the Holy Spirit. The sacraments, prayers, inspirations, graces, etc. These are the rounds of sanctification. So, for example, in the Divine Will Prayer Book, you'll find Louise's 24 rounds in the Divine Will which go through the seven days of creation, the events in the Garden of Eden, the Old Testament, Jesus and Mary's lives, and the church. These rounds become an opportunity to embrace all of creation and help it to give the praise and glory due to the Creator. In this way, we're also helping to reestablish God's kingdom here on earth as our rounds reestablish the right order and relationship of God with creation. Indeed, these waves of grace come, infusing divine life within creation. Louisa gives a good example of what a round is in the very first hour of the Passion. Seeing the sorrow of Jesus, having to take leave of his mother, and Jesus desires to receive one last I bless you from his mother Mary. Well, Louisa also desires to give Jesus a sufficiently worthy I bless you. So she says, Upon the wings of the winds, I want to go around the heavens to ask the Father, the Holy Spirit, and all the angels for an I bless you for Jesus. 
so that as I go to him, I may bring him their blessings. And here on earth, I want to go to all souls and ask from every lip, from every heartbeat, from every step, from every breath, from every gaze, from every thought, blessings and praise for Jesus. And if anyone refuses to grant these, I myself shall offer them to Jesus. Oh, sweet mother, after going round and round again and again to ask the Holy Trinity, the angels, all souls and creatures, the light of the sun, the fragrance of the flowers, the waves of the sea, every breath of wind, every spark of fire, every moving leaf, the twinkling of the stars, every movement of nature, for an I bless you for Jesus. And thus, with our voice, we can give a voice to the birds and animals, the trees and plants, the rocks and mountains, water and stars. All creatures can now give glory to the Father and say, I love you and I bless you. We know how all God's creation already reflects his beauty, strength, immensity, and splendor. And this gives glory, God glory in a way as a reflection of his splendor. But now we give an even further voice to the birds, water, and trees and help them to give love, praise, and glory to the Father as was intended before the fall. One of the handouts of rounds to begin the day, which is also really just another form of making a prevenient act, has this as one of the rounds. Since all things in creation were made by God for the love of the creature, I take this love in the sun, the stars, the earth, the sea, the birds, the flowers, and all the other things in creation, and make it mine. I offer it as so many other acts of homage, of love, of blessing, and of praise. Of course, all the acts done by Jesus and Mary and Adam and Eve before they sinned were done in the divine will. And thus we can repeat their acts and make them our own, giving them to the Father again for his glory. And now when there is some tragedy or disaster on the news, or you know someone who is sick or hear about someone who is suffering, I realize how there is so much suffering in the world that is wasted. That suffering has redemptive power if it's united with the cross of Jesus. So, for example, I read a story in the news about the war in Afghanistan, and I can make a round of that. I take the suffering of all the people in Afghanistan, and I join it with Jesus' cross. I give it to you, Father, for your glory, for the reparation of sins of all souls, past, present, and future. May your kingdom come. There you just made a round. In this way, you pray, for example, for a person with cancer in their family. Now, of course, we still can pray and do ask for physical healing if it be God's holy will. And that may or may not be his will, part of his plan of what is best for that person. But if we also offer the suffering that person and their family are going through for the good of souls, we can no, this is a prayer God does hear and answer because it is in accord with his will. And we can have a peace knowing we are bringing about an infinite good out of a very bad situation. 
in doing rounds and taking possession of all these acts of praise and glory, voicing them to the Father, do not pray for yourself. You're in the divine will and God will take care of you and your concerns. No, rather pray for all souls, past, present, and future. That's the greatest thing you can do to help others. Similarly, there's a temptation to think that because I'm striving to live in the divine will, because I'm doing my acts and rounds, God's going to make everything go smoothly in life. Not so. In your acts and rounds, you must accept everything that happens, good or bad, as the will of God. We live in a world filled with sin and a world that wants to live a very easy and comfortable life. And so sometimes living in the divine will can seem difficult or painful. And also we will rarely, if ever, see in this life the fruits of our acts and rounds. We can't see those waves of grace that sweep over the world. But we still keep trusting Jesus. And so while it's easy to keep up our prayers or to do our hours of the passion or our acts and rounds, while things are going well, while life is tranquil, we will be tempted to give them up when things become hectic or the distractions of the world pile up or we go through a very difficult time. Now, this doesn't mean we can't ever go on vacation or accept invitations to attend parties but it means that we need to be faithful in every circumstance, even in these times, to run without stopping. Notice that rounds are really a specific kind of act in the divine will. As you grow in the divine will, the Holy Spirit will guide you in your own rounds so that you can add these to your day full of acts in the divine will. Then something as simple as turning on a light switch when you walk into a dark room. I know this is God's will at this moment. But now this act can also become an act of praise. A round of blessing united with God's feet of creation. Let there be light. And in moments to experience the love of God. Radiating in the light from that light bulb. Acts and rounds are just both. Really an awareness of God's love throughout your day, and an opportunity to return God's love back to him with the use of his divine will. Imagine that you are going to build a house for you and your family. How careful you are in being attentive to all the details of the planning and construction to ensure it's tailored just to your needs. How long will you live in that house? A few short decades. We're called to live in the eternal kingdom, where after countless trillions of centuries have passed, heaven will scarcely even begun. Besides desiring the gift of living in the divine will, we must desire the gift of holiness of the saints. What else could you possibly want There's only one tragedy, ultimately, not to be a saint. Consider the promises of God and his plan, his will to share his very life with us. Compared to 
the fleeting world that passes in the twinkling of an eye. Where you spend all of eternity is decided by your closeness to God, the holiness you attain to here and now. The degree of union with God you now arrive at will be the garment you wear forever. And I do not know when that moment will come for me. In a decade, a year, a month, a day, or a minute. So there is absolutely no time to waste. If we keep that in mind, we can combat what I think is one of the devil's favorite temptations. He loves to whisper in your ear, you have plenty of time. He tempts us to think, well, I can pray tomorrow. I can change another day. I'll go to confession next month. I can make a retreat next year. The greatest temptation is to think that we have plenty of time to turn to God when the only time we have is now. So we make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, to pray always, to be persistent, do not give up, so that we can share with him in his victory of eternal life. To Jesus Christ be all glory and honor forever. Amen.